0: So good. Thank you to Justin, Justin, and Melissa. That was amazing. Um, Yeah, we just want to welcome you again, though. If you are a guest today, or maybe you just came even this last uh, Sunday for Easter Sunday, where we had this incredible, amazing, I think, celebration of who Jesus is, we welcome you again. My name is Eric Wakeling. Uh, pastor here at Calvary, and uh, I'm excited for what we have now, for for today, for all of us. I think that whether you've been around here for a long time or just even have been learning about the Bible for a long time, I think that there will be some new things that you can learn today. I think that if you are new or new to all of this, that you're going to see some of who Jesus is and what his heart is like today. And I think that... Uh, For there's many of us, too, that are just maybe tired, and life is feeling very busy and fast and overwhelming, I think that God has something for you today in this story that we'll be looking into. Um, You know, this, uh, when I think about what we'll be talking about today a little bit, and I think about um, actually part of what it is, is that Jesus... um, I think we got to switch stuff over, guys. But um, that part of this is that Jesus has authority over the rules. That this isn't just about, you know, when we think about all of the, when it comes to rules and the Bible, I want us to be able to um, kind of get a sense of how do we respond to rules, right? When I was a kid, when I was growing up, I feel like I was a pretty good kid. I have some sort of like good kid street cred, right? Where I mean, I was an Eagle Scout. I am an Eagle Scout. I uh, was National Honor Society. I started the Junior Statesman of America Club at my high school. I, you know, I was you know involved as a leader in my church youth group, going on mission trips. I mean, these feel like good kid credentials, right? But at the same time, while doing all of that. I just also wanted to break the rules, you know? Like, I don't know what that is in me, sin nature, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. But there's this sense like, ah, especially rules that I don't get the the point of the rule, right? I'm sure maybe you feel like a person that bucks up against those kind of rules. So, you know, yeah, I would break rules in the sense of a teen movie party at my house to jumping off piers and getting chased by cops. I've told you some of this stuff. But, you know, I, I even remember one time in... My dad's here today too, so this is kind of fun. But uh, <laughs> uh, but just thinking about, uh, I remember I was a volleyball player in high school and. You had to do a physical every year, a physical exam every year. And I thought it was so dumb. Like, I play sports. I'm fine. I've had one all these last three years. I'm going into my senior year. I'm fine. Like, why do I have to go do this to the point of then putting it off for so long because of that attitude that it was the day before I was supposed to turn it in. And I thought, oh, I know. I'll just sign it myself. Right? So I signed the physical exam form myself and turned it in. And the problem was I think there was three or four of us that did that. And then you, you start to really be noticed. And they did the thing where the coach came in, had the whole team lined up and said... If you admit that you forged your physical exam paper, step forward, you'll be punished. But if you don't admit it and we catch you, you're kicked off the team. And so then all four of us, you know, step forward. I don't know if they really had us or not, but we stepped forward and got busted. And I had to do two Saturday schools, two breakfast clubs in a row. And uh, it was, you know, but whatever. But it's just like, even little things, just where you feel like, oh, I don't want to follow these rules. I don't like all this. I, I I. buck up against that system. Well, I think if you feel that way, this story is a little bit for you today and I think that you'll see Jesus not as one that rebels against the rules, but one that sees the heart of the rule rather than the letter of it. So, open your Bibles if you got them, please mark 2:23 and we're going to read this story and it's a story of Jesus and it's a story of him and his friends. And uh, it goes, you know, kind of get to the middle end of the Bible. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, if you're looking for it, Mark 2.23. It says, and it happened that Jesus was passing through the grain fields on the Sabbath. And his disciples began to make their way along while picking the heads of grain. The Pharisees, well, let's actually stop there. Let's stop there for just a quick second. Here is some pictures of actual Israel of just grain fields. Now, you could walk through the grain fields, and this was a sort of a legal thing that you could do, even biblically legal. To, if you are walking through a grain field, if you don't use a tool, like a side kind of thing, if you don't use a tool, it's okay for you to just grab some of the heads of grain, which, if you're just super Orange County and don't know what that means, that's this, okay? Uh, <laughs> These heads of grain, it's okay to grab them as you're walking through and then pick out the kernels and eat them, right? You can't take them and steal a harvest, but you can just grab some and eat them while you're walking along. That was fine. The problem was, this was on the Sabbath where you were not supposed to work. And so the Pharisees here will see consider this to be. Work. So, uh, verse twenty-four. The Pharisees were saying to him, "Look, why are they doing what's not lawful on the Sabbath?" And Jesus, he said to them, "Have you never read what David did? This is the king, like one of the most famous kings of Israel. Have you never read what David did when he was in need, and he and his companions became hungry?" How he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar, the high priest, and ate the consecrated bread, which is not lawful for anyone to eat except the priests. And he also gave it to those who were with him. Jesus said to them, this is key verse, okay? If you're tuned out, tune back in, key verse for the day. Here it is. Jesus said, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Sabbath. So the son of man, Jesus says about himself, is Lord even of the Sabbath. Now, new story, but same kind of family of stories, starts in chapter 3, verse 1. He entered again into a synagogue, and a man was there whose hand was withered. They, the Pharisees, they were watching him to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath, so that they might accuse him. It's funny that, I think, that... They're watching because, oh, look, there's someone with something wrong. Jesus is here. He'll probably want to help them. Let's get him, right? Like, that's their attitude, that Jesus is so kind and loving. He'll want to help this person. Oh, we'll be able to trap him here. And uh, so then it says, Jesus is sort of all in, like, fine, no problem. He said to the man with the withered hand, get up and come forward. And he said to them, is it lawful to do good or to do harm on the Sabbath? To save a life or to kill. But they kept silent. After looking around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart, he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and, it, and as and his hand was restored. The Pharisees then, these religious leaders, went out and immediately began conspiring with the Herodians against him as to how they might destroy him. So these Pharisees, their response to all this is to go out to join up with these corrupt leaders, these corrupt government leaders, to try and get back at Jesus somehow for all of this. All right, so this whole thing where we're here, and just to kind of get us into this what's happening here, is this part where Jesus says, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. So rules are made for us. We aren't made for rules. The rules themselves aren't this, this good in and of themselves that should be followed just because they're there. These rules have a purpose and a point. That Jesus cares about the heart of the rule. So I just want to explain for us a little bit too of what's going on. What's the deal with the Sabbath? What is it? What is the law that it's about? What what is going on in this whole system? So what I want to do is just some teaching explaining of all of this. So the the law, first of all, okay, the law, the Torah. Uh, What we have is the first five books of your Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. That's the Torah. That's the law in its whole. Now, out of all of that writing, there's pulled out of them 613 rules. Okay? 613 rules that are to be followed if you want to follow the Jewish law. Okay, so out of that then, you also have the kind of the core of that, which we all know about the Ten Commandments, right? So you have the Ten Commandments are in there. This law was given by God to Moses on Mount Sinai, and it is how your life is to be lived. It is more than just guidelines. It is more than just suggestions. They're commandments. These are the way that you are to live your life. Commandments, laws, all of that. Now, the other part of this is that this is also kind of the Jewish identity is found in how you obey these laws. And even how respected you are in your community is based on how well you follow all of these laws and all of these rules. And so, so much of, of who they are was defined by, uh, by this law, okay? Now, what the, this group was called the Pharisees. These are these religious leaders. Their whole deal, the Pharisees, is obeying the law. That's what they want to do. They want to follow God so well and obey his laws so well that they will never break them. Which is good. It's noble. It, it starts very, um, very nobly. It's a good thing to do to want to follow God's law, right? And so that's what they're wanting to do. And so what they then do is you've got this core, even this 613 commandments is, is core. And what they do is they don't want to break God's law. So they do what's called building a fence around the law. I don't know if you've heard of that before, but they building a fence around the law was adding rules that weren't those rules of God, but made it even more strict so that they would never accidentally break God's law. So that's why they've added these other laws, so that that way they won't accidentally uh, break God, or in a moment of weakness, break God's law. Law, But then, obviously, what happens is it goes way too far and just becomes legalistic. And the point of it was about not breaking rules rather than having this heart for it. Now, you'll even see this in in, uh, modern-day Israel. You go to modern-day Israel, and they want to follow the law of the Sabbath. So the Sabbath, and we'll talk more about this, obviously, is this day of rest, a day that you should not work. So it's one of the Ten Commandments, so it's a core rule, it's a core law. And it's even super kind of like super core because it's based off of the creation account. So it goes down to like one of the most original rules or laws or ways of living is this keeping the day of the Sabbath, the seventh day, keep it holy Rest, no work, all that. So then now in modern-day Israel, they don't want to break that rule. So they define, okay, what is work? And then one of the things of of work is to make a fire. So to make a fire had been established for centuries as work. And then, so now what they want to do is they've determined that if you push the button in an elevator, that action of pushing the button and when it lights up, that is making fire okay? So they don't want to break the the Sabbath of working, so they have during the time of Shabbat, which is Sabbath, they have elevators called Shabbat elevators that just open on the first floor, and then they stop at every floor all the way up, and then all the way down. They stop at every floor so that you can just get in, because you don't want to break the Sabbath. You don't want to break the law. And that's like, maybe to, to our minds that sounds, like, ridiculous or too far or something. But it comes from this core heart of not wanting to break what God's Word says. Right? And so that's where that comes from. But you can see how it can get into this mode of being super legalistic. And so then the Sabbath itself, this Sabbath law, and we'll read where it is in the Bible, but it's interesting. Um, there's a, an author and pastor that I really love, um, like, like his stuff, named John Mark Comer, who writes uh, some about rest and Sabbath in his book, Garden City. And he talks there— um, There's a few things I'll I'll even say from him that are really, I think, interesting. But one thing he talks about is the first place in the Bible where it has the Hebrew word kadosh, is the Hebrew word for holy. The first time uh, that that's mentioned is in regard to the Sabbath day. And there's this sort of, uh, this rabbinic principle, this principle of the Jewish rabbis of first mention. So the first place something is mentioned is how you define that word. That's the primary way you define that word is how it's first used in the Bible. And so then as you look at that, it was actually used about time. You would think the word holy would be about a holy mountain or a holy temple or a holy person or something like that. But for, for us, it's, it's, it's actually time was holy. There's a specific set of time that is to be kept holy, that we remember it and keep it holy. Holy. Okay, so let's, let's look into what does God really say about Sabbath. So if Jesus kind of has this way of, in, in this passage of saying, all right, well, what we do about this is different than what you all are thinking. Let's Let's see what it is that's the actual command and some things that we can learn from it for us. So I encourage you, grab your Bibles, turn to Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5. Kind of have your thumb in both. Exodus, or use your phone or whatever. But Exodus 20 is... It's the second book of the Bible. You can get there pretty easily. It's really close to the beginning. Uh, Genesis, Exodus, then it goes Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, uh, Deuteronomy 5. If you get to Joshua or Judges, you've gone too far. So you've got Exodus 20. These are two places in the Bible where the Ten Commandments are listed. I don't know if you know that they're listed in two places, but they are. And so they're listed in Exodus 20. That's the moment uh, at Mount Sinai where it's all happening. They're being given the law, and they're being read to the people. Deuteronomy 5 is a little bit of kind of looking back upon that moment, okay, and reflecting upon it. So what's interesting is the writing in, the, in each one, the description of the Sabbath commandment, Uh, It's the same commandment, but it has like a different rationale at the end of it of why you should do this thing. Okay? So let's check this out. I think it's kind of interesting. So Exodus 20, um, actually we'll start at verse 8. It says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. That Hebrew word kadosh. Okay? Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter, your male or your female servant, or your cattle or your sojourner who stays with you. Okay, so that's the commandment. Here's the rationale. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that's in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it Holy. Okay, so in this first one, what you have here is a look back to, of the reason and rationale, is a look back to creation. A look back to the original Sabbath day. It's saying, you should keep this day holy because God observed it himself. God worked for six days and then rested on the seventh day. God, um, you know, God has this rhythm of work and rest that we should adopt as well based on his example. So we wanna do the same thing that that God would do, and we look back to Eden, the Garden of Eden as this beautiful moment and this beautiful moment of God resting. And so we join God in his delight, in his rest. So that's that first one is looking back to creation. Now flip over to Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy five, and we look at we'll start actually at verse twelve. And you'll see it's pretty similar at the beginning. It's the same command. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy, as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your ox... Or your donkey, this one adds donkeys, so you know, if you've got a donkey, you can't do work either. Uh, or any of your cattle, or your sojourner who stays with you. Here's where it starts to get different. So that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God brought you out of there by a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Okay, so Exodus looked back to creation. Here in Deuteronomy, it looks back to Egypt. And it looks back to them being slaves in Egypt and says, Keep the Sabbath because you have to remember that you were slaves And you were under Pharaoh and his system, and now you are free of that. Remember your freedom, and remember that rest is a byproduct of freedom. Slaves don't get to rest. Slaves don't have that opportunity. You have this opportunity. So remember it. Remember where you came from. Don't go back to that system of only working and producing and having a quota of more and more and more and more and always more. But to tell yourself, like, look, I'm not part of that system anymore. I'm free. I get to be part of God's system. And God tells me to have this rhythm of work and rest. So, yes, this is a command. This is a law. This is a rule for you. But guess what? It's also a gift. So think about all of these rules, all of these commands that you would have in the Scriptures. Yes, they're rules. But really what they are is a gift to us. That God says, I, I want for you to have the best life that you can have. And the best life that you can have is determined by following the way I have told you how to live. I have this for you in here. So don't think of these things as just duty and obligation, but it's a gift for you. And so the Sabbath for us, this day of rest, but a different kind of rest, is a way of saying enough. Enough work, enough stuff, enough achievement, enough getting to another level, enough earning, enough buying, enough selling, all of that. We don't have to earn the love of God. We don't have to prove anything to him. We don't have a quota from God like we did from Pharaoh in Egypt. I don't have to just get another A or another car or have my kids go to every activity under the sun on every day of the week. I serve a new king. And my king is a Sabbath-giving king. And he rests so i should rest but not just time off but rest in him and we'll talk more about how we can do that and how we can practice that but what's so interesting i think is then you have jesus right jesus comes up on this scene and he allows his disciples to eat this grain to gather it on the sabbath day he heals someone on a sabbath and he says you know what's better like to to kill or to save right? What's better? Is it just the rule is what is important, or is it what the rule gives? And I think Jesus is telling us that it is the spirit of the law. It's the heart of the law that matters more. And what's interesting is sometimes the heart of the law is actually harder than the letter of the law, and sometimes it's easier. It doesn't mean it's just always easy. Don't think this is just some permissive message of ignore the rules or ignore the law because it's the heart of it that matters. No, not at all. But it's that there's a point to it. There's a point to the whole Sabbath thing. And, and you look at that, that verse in Mark 2.27 again where it says, The Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Now, those first century Jews that Jesus is talking to here, those, those, those folks needed to hear the second part more. That man is not made for the Sabbath. That the rule isn't the ultimate good. You've created this system of legalism that you care more about this system of rules than you care about the heart of, of rest that's in this. Right, But... For us Americans today, living in this time that we live in, I think it's the first part for us, that the Sabbath was made for you. That this is a rule that matters. I doubt there's many of us that are struggling with our legalism that we have towards the Sabbath day, right? I mean, I don't know if any raise of of hands of people, that's their biggest life struggle is, man, I just have set too many rules for myself regarding how I keep the Sabbath. That's probably not happening. We live in a culture of, of... you know, working too hard, being overscheduled, busy, always moving, never stopping. For us, we need to hear that, you know, that we need to actually follow this law in some way, right? We need to actually get ourselves into following this in some way. And that this law, it's really not just about, it's not just about a day off, okay? It's about rest in God. And so the Sabbath day should really be for us not just time off, not just a day where we're going out and shopping and doing chores and getting our honey-do list done and all that kind of stuff. That's not Sabbath. But Sabbath is a time of rest in the Lord. It's a time of being still. It's a time of stopping. It's a time of reading scripture and prayer and allowing like some space to just be still before God And I think that this whole thing, this, this way of thinking about um, like this heart of the law thing is really, I think, how Jesus thinks about all of the law, all of the Torah, all of these rules, that it's more about the heart of it. And like I said, sometimes that makes it actually even harder. Because in the Sermon on the Mount... Jesus uh, speaks about the, one of the Ten Commandments is murder, right? It, you know that you shouldn't murder. And it's, again, another one of those, like, I really hope that we're hitting that baseline, right, and not murdering people. But Jesus says, hey, there's, there's more to this. Because I care about the hearts more than just the letter of the law, what I'm telling you, Jesus says, is it matters if you murder someone in your mind, What matters is if you hate and are filled with anger towards a person so much so that you're murdering them in your mind, that's breaking the law. He says the same thing about adultery. One of the Ten Commandments, don't commit adultery, right? But it's like, okay, good job. You didn't cheat in your wife. But Jesus says there's more to it because it's the heart. And the heart is that you shouldn't lust or commit adultery in your mind or in your heart either. And so when it comes to... To lust and pornography and all that kind of stuff, that's a, that's a harder command than just don't commit adultery. Okay? So sometimes, even Jesus' focus on the heart is even harder than the, the, the letter of the law. So when it comes to this thing with Sabbath and how can we actually do this, how can we actually practice Sabbath and do it well, I wanted to walk you through a little bit of, um, just I think a way of looking at your week. So hopefully you've got this outline in your bulletin. This outline in your bulletin, if you look on the back of it, it has uh, this, what you see on the screen of this grid of this calendar, okay? And this is broken up, and this is actually, a lot of this thought that I'm going to give you here is from our very own Calvary member, Bob Shank, through the master's program, which is just some awesome ways of thinking about this. I highly uh, recommend it. Um, and so this is a way of looking at your week and then breaking each day up into what we really have in each day are three big chunks, morning, afternoon, and evening. So we have these three chunks a day, seven days. We've got 21 chunks to work with, right? So we've got these things in our week that we can work with. And how can we be intentional about how we how we use each of these spaces. And I want you to be thinking about how can I use each of these spaces well and intentionally. And, and what he calls it is, he calls it time leadership. You have to lead your time. So you start here with what, how you're going to use your time and you lead it or else your time will lead you. You can't manage your time. You never will. You have to lead your time or you'll be, or you'll be ruled over by it. So you look at these chunks and I thought I'd just give you kind of an example of what like my week looks like, and how I shape this. And it's like semi-idealistic, I'll give you that. But um, this is my, my week, okay? Now, for me, this moment right here, you might think of Sunday as your Sabbath. I'm technically at work right now in this moment. So for me, this isn't my Sabbath. I, that's not on a Sunday. I'm doing my job. So, But there is this church time, obviously, here, so this is work. And then I try, like, Sunday afternoons. It's usually time for family. And then sometimes on Sunday evenings, it's family dinner or meals with friends or uh, other folks, right? And then... What I think of is in this morning chunk, the first three days of the week, and the beginning part of the day, that's when I'm at my sharpest. So that's where Bob talks about this thing called focus time. So I want to have focus time. These are the things that I need to put a lot of time and thought into. So for me, it's sermon writing, prep for that, study. We have some new thing that we're wanting to do, so I'm researching it. I'm in prayer. Uh, Things that take a longer chunk of time that I don't want to be distracted by you know, the false reality of multitasking, okay? So I'm focused. I'm in on that. That's where I'm doing that work. And then in the afternoons, different kinds of meetings or space to meet with different people. I tend to be energized by people, so I do that in the afternoons. And, and then time with family or at Wednesday night or Thursday night church. And then uh, this other time is called buffer time, right? That's just where you're, like, checking emails, doing little tasks. You're kind of just checking tons of little things off your, off your list. Um, and then, so for me, my Sabbath comes on Fridays. Friday is a day off for me, and it is a day where I try to have that be more Sabbath. I actually typically have uh, breakfast with my dad in the morning down in Dana Point. And so I like to then go and walk around, maybe in the Dana Point Harbor, or go surfing and just be still, go for a hike somewhere, and, or just like have space where I am able to, I, I enjoy to walk and pray. And so that's a good thing for me. Now, I'm just, again, idealistic. It's, I'm not perfect with this. I do my best, right? And so I try to, I try to have that be more of sabbath time, which is different than time off. I think like on a Saturday, that's where, you know, yeah, we can just be hanging out as a family. We can be, um, you know, going shopping or getting chores done or whatever. That's kind of more in that sort of space. And so this is a a glimpse, at least, into how I would try, you know, to, to lead my time. And so I encourage you to use this tool. I encourage you to think of how would I do this? When would my Sabbath time be? Not just time off from work, but time off with rest in mind with the Lord. And so lead that. You have to lead that time or it won't happen. So take this and use that and and lead it. Do it. Actually do it. So I encourage you to, we'll talk about this post-it note in a minute, so you can just wait on that. But take take this thing today and actually put it in your purse or your pocket. Take it home. Don't like drop it on the floor like the movie theater or whatever. Like use this. Okay, we encourage you to use this as a tool. Um, Because... We have to consider these things. Have we invited God to be Lord over our time, over our calendar? The way we use the hours we've been given. Is that God-led? Is that prayerful? Or are we just sort of going from moment to moment and just with whatever happens? And so I encourage you with this. This is how you can actually live out the Sabbath. Okay? Live out work well because The Sabbath command inherently has a command to work as well. So we work hard, but then we rest well, okay? We rest with God. And I think this can affect, even if you can think this through, when it comes to the heart of it versus the letter of it, I think this can help you to how you think about all of God's laws, all of God's rules, to think about what does he have that is best for you in that, and even making sure the things that we say are God's laws actually are. And for us to to recognize this question, is there a part of God's word that has become a burden to you rather than a gift to you? It's probably pretty likely that there's some aspect of God's word. And that's what this post-it note is for. It's a space where you can write that down. And and I want you to think about even what some of these things could be. This could be uh, giving. Giving uh, our offerings is kind of a common thing i think that could become a burden for us serving others honoring our father and mother things like not getting drunk attending church not forsaking the gathering of believers loving your enemy lust and pornography caring for the poor some of these different sorts of commands, um, it's going to be different for whoever you are, but it might be some of those, it might be something else, but has that thing become a burden or an obligation to you, rather than seeing how it's a gift to you from God? And, and so I would love for you to like, write down, okay, here's what thing it is that's a burden for me now, and then here's how I can see it as a gift. Something that shows you, that you start to think about how you can see it actually as a gift of what God's best for you is. And so that's what I hope for you to see, and I hope for you to get a sense of how God's rules are a gift to you that God cares about your best. But what we're also doing in the midst of this series that's called Who is Jesus is we're trying to see in these stories, right, who is Jesus? What do these stories say about who Jesus is? Well, we've seen how he kind of gives us this example of how to live according to the Sabbath. And you see that he says that he is the Lord of the Sabbath. So a few things that we learn about who Jesus is. First off, we learn Jesus is king. Okay, he compares himself in verse 25 and 26. He says, have you never read what David did? And he goes on to this whole thing about how David ate this bread that you weren't supposed to eat because it was reserved for the priests. Well... Jesus here says he's at least equal or greater than King David. So he's talking to a group of people who think about this guy David as the greatest king that has ever li- like ever been in their history, ever been for their kingdom that King David. So he's saying I'm I'm a king that's equal to or at least greater than or greater than King David. So Jesus is king. He also seems to claim that he's God here in this passage, verse 28, when he says, The Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Because the Sabbath is part of the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments were given by God on Mount Sinai to Moses, right? You've got these tablets of stone given by God. And he says, I'm Lord of those rules. I'm Lord of the Sabbath. So I am only one that can be that is God. So it's this amazing claim that he is making saying he is God. So he's saying, I am king. I am God. And then the other thing we see that's pretty interesting is we see Jesus is famous. Okay? Look at verse 7 of chapter 3. Uh, after he does all this stuff, it says Jesus withdrew to the sea, the Sea of Galilee, with his disciples. And a great multitude from Galilee followed. And also from Judea, and from Jerusalem, and from Idumea, and beyond the Jordan, and uh, the vicinity of Tyre and Sidon. These are like, this is a huge area full of all sorts of different kinds of people, both Jew and Gentile. And it says that a great number of people heard of all that he was doing and came to him. And he told his disciples that a boat should stand ready for him because of the crowd so that they would not crowd him. So you've got this Beatlemania, Bieber fever thing where Jesus is so famous that he's just being pursued by people all over the place. And so I think it's important for us to see how what he is doing and the things he's saying are attracting like thousands of people that are all chasing him down all over the place. And then we see Jesus as healer. And it says, why are they doing it? Why are these crowds coming Verse 10, for he had healed many with the result that all those who had afflictions pressed around him in order to touch him. Whenever the unclean spirits saw him, demons, they would fall down before him and shout, You are the Son of God. And he earnestly warned them not to tell who he was. So Jesus is king He's God, he's famous, and he is this healer with authority over demons, we've learned. that He has authority over disease, sickness. He, had, he has authority to forgive sin. We learned last week that he had authority to bring someone else back to life and for himself to come back to life. That's who this Jesus is. And just in this little story about Sabbath rules, we see him claim to be God and king and healer, and so it's amazing as we see who this God is. And that is the God that we want to follow and is the God in the flesh that says to us that this heart of this law is what is most important, not the letter of it. So consider then again that question. Is there a part of God's word that has become a burden for you rather than a gift? And encourage you to write that on the post-it note. When the service is over and we're totally done, I want to ask you to uh, place those on these windows in the back as we go out. But for now, just be reflecting on that. Reflecting on what aspects of the law become a burden for you. Reflecting on your calendar and how you can, in a way that is a gift to you, follow this Sabbath law. And then and just to acknowledge Jesus for the King and God that He is. So as we... As we close this time and move into a time of worship, we'll have the opportunity to come forward for prayer. There's these prayer points on each side. We'll have folks over here that are, are wanting to pray with you. And maybe you even today have had God speaking to you about needing to respond to who He is and needing to surrender your life to Him as King and God. And we encourage you to come and pray with us there. Uh, also, you can come, and, and there's tables you can see kind of around the room on the sides where you can come and receive communion and you have a chance to remember who Jesus is as the one that gave his life, gave his body and shed his blood for us. So let's pray now as we move into a time of worshiping through singing and responding. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the gift of your law, the gift of these rules where it can be so easy to slip into thinking of them as just rules or obligations, burdens. But God, I pray that you administer to us in our hearts now and show us, or through your Spirit and only the way that your Spirit can, show us how these are a gift to us, a blessing for us. Lord, I thank you for this gift of rest and the gift that we have of of freedom in you that allows us to rest in you. I pray that you'd help us to to get it, to understand it more, and to live it, God. So we give you glory in Jesus' name.